I'm Haley. And I'm Ellie. And, and this is Two Kids and a Broadway Star. All that they did wrong. So this is my life. Isn't this just great? Isn't this just swell? What the hell? Our guest today is Annalise Scarpacci. Scarpacci, Scarpacci, Scarpacci. If you've been around Broadway lately, you know her as Lydia Hillard in Mrs. Doubtfire. And we were lucky to get a sneak peek of the show way back in 2020 at BroadwayCon. Before, but before Doubtfire, she made her Broadway debut in A Christmas Story and later starring Godspell and Matilda, a show we just did, so we're going to need to talk about that. Annalise also just released Pathetic Little Dreamer on all your music streaming platforms and works with kids and teens who want to be on Broadway. So also we're going to talk about that. She's our youngest guest ever, started her Broadway career as a child actor, and we really can't wait to hear what she's doing next. Ready, Ellie? Ready. <laughs> Hi, Annalise. Hi! Thanks so much for being on our show. Thanks for having me. I am so excited. I love the pink headphones. Those are a vibe. Oh, thank you. I've had these for many, many years, and I refuse to get rid of them, even though they're like kind of broken, but that's okay. It's okay. <laughs> so we saw that you just graduated from Pace University. Congratulations. Thank you. Was it hard balancing school and Doubtfire at the same time? You know, everybody asks me that, but I have to say it was very easy. I, when I first got the role, I was going into my junior year and I decided to take a gap year, which, um, you know, it really was helpful because I realized if I'm focused on both school and originating a role at the same time, I know that my focus is not going to be entirely present in either of those things. So I wanted to give myself full time to give for Lydia. I left the entire year open to do Doubtfire and then a pandemic happened right in the middle. So um, when the fall happened, so fall of 2020, I decided to go back to school and I did school online. I did my junior year online. And um, then when the fall came around, I only had three, the following fall, when we reopened in 2021, mm -hmm. I had three more classes to do. So basically what my school and I worked out was that I was able to kind of just send in self tapes to my teachers and then they would give me feedback based on what was happening. And then I finished school in December. Wow. I mean, the pandemic is kind of like a stroke of luck almost not like it was good, but yeah, it was a blessing in disguise. It definitely was. So did you audition to get into college? Obviously, it's not super close for us yet, but what was that like? I did audition. Um, so I was very particular in where I wanted to go because of what I do and where I live. I wanted to be close to home, but I definitely wanted to be in the city. Um, there are other people who have different preferences, like my one of my best friends right now is she just graduated from high school and she's going to um Cincinnati Conservatory of Music. So she's traveling a little bit farther away. And at first she didn't want to. So, um, you know, it really just depends on where you want to go. But um, the auditioning for musical theater programs is extremely competitive, but um, it's not everything that everybody tells you. So I'll give you a little bit of advice. You just have to go in and you're auditioning the colleges as much as they are auditioning you. It's all about, you know, being yourself and really looking at what the school has to offer for you as an individual artist because what for example 
my friend going to CCM, what CCM has offered my friend Grace may be different from what CCM would have offered me as a performer. Mm-hmm. Everybody's different. So it has to, it all depends on what you want. Like when you walk in, you kind of have to get a feel for the people there. If they're like, oh, like, if you don't like the kind of prim and proper stuff where they're like, yes, proceed to song one, please. And like, yeah. you kind of have to get a feel for it. Like, did you get a good feel when you auditioned for your college? Yeah, um, I auditioned for five schools. Um, I definitely felt the most at home at Pace. Um, it was definitely very um, more of a chill vibe when I auditioned. Um, but, you know, especially when you go, no program is perfect. And that's what everybody has to understand. There's never such thing as a perfect college experience, perfect grammar school experience, any, any school, there's no perfect school. There's no, you know, you have your ups and downs, you have your trials and tribulations, but it's really important to know that you have to, in your school, you have to be an advocate for yourself and you have to make your own way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think students should look for when they pick a performance college? Um, I think definitely something, a program that will help strengthen your your artistry. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, if you are not a dancer, I would see that you look for something that a program that has a strong dance technique so that this way, when you're in school, you can take as many dance classes as possible. Um, you know, there are some schools that are very acting heavy. If you feel like acting is your weakest and you that you want to work on the most, I feel like you should go to schools that are heavy in acting or maybe just go to an acting program rather than a musical theater program. Mm-hmm. It kind of all depends. Because if you want to make yourself a triple threat, you've got to immerse yourself in your weakest triple threat subject, right? Exactly. So we talked about Doubtfire a little and the show just unfortunately closed a few weeks ago, but congratulations on your run. Thank you. You all went through so much between the shutdown and reopening and closing, but you were able to record the cast album earlier this year. It's actually coming out two days after we're recording this. So how's that feel after everything Doubtfire went through? It's so weird. Um, I always think that everything is weird that happened to me Mm -hmm. in my life. Um, But I was actually thinking on the drive back to the city, I was home for the weekend. but on the drive back to the city, I was looking at like every cast album that I have ever listened to either, you know, just in life or to train for a specific role. Like if I, you know, in community theater or my school shows and um, like to think that there are others who are going to listen to my voice, um, whether to practice for an audition song or just for enjoyment or you know, eventually in other productions of Mrs. Dalfire, they're doing um, a production in Manchester right now. Um, that's, you know, going to be starting up soon and then it's going to have a tour in 2023. Um, so to think that there are other people throughout life who are now going to, you know, listen to my voice and, you know, frame that as the way that they play the role of Lydia, future Lydia's to come. Like, that's really cool. It like frames people's perception of the role and like that's got to be a lot of pressure I'm sure you're like oh my gosh yes like, yeah I'm <laughs> very sad that Doubtfire closed because my dad and I were supposed to go see Doubtfire but then um you guys went on hiatus and then you and um so we were waiting to get tickets for after that but then um you guys closed and we were very sad about that yeah I'm <laughs> sorry it's it, it was a long road <laughs> It's honestly not your fault. I mean, like there's COVID and then there's a bunch of different shutdowns. There must have been a roller coaster of emotions. Like it was. Yeah, it was definitely a lot to take in. 
Mm-hmm. So can you tell us what it's what it's like recording a cast album? We never actually asked one of our guests this question. And were you all in the studio together? We were. So, you know, I had never done a cast album before. I've obviously, um, I've done a lot of voiceover work throughout my career and done demo recordings and my own album. I didn't record it in a studio. I recorded it at my house with my own mic and my own equipment because it was COVID. So I don't know what it's like to record, um, you know, in a studio for like an album with a, let alone with a group of people for a show that, that is an original Broadway cast. So it was a first for me and it was really, really cool. We were there from nine, um, I'm going to say 1030 in the morning. And I didn't leave the building until 1030 that night. And all day we were singing (laughs) and my voice was very, very tired. So I was not prepared for that aspect. But I have to tell you, I have never had so much fun in my whole life. But it was kind of different because, you know, usually from what I've been told, the cast albums are usually recorded probably around like right in the middle of previews or like towards the end of previews mm-hmm. um, or right after opening. Um, so you're like in the role, immersed in it, doing it every day, have, you know, practice. For us, it was different because we were, it was the week before we came back to start rehearsals after our hiatus, um, our most recent hiatus. Um, so it was very different. So we kind of had to like relearn where we were, what we were singing, where we were going and kind of like really automatically on the spot, immerse ourselves in the show, which was very, very difficult, um, but still amazing. And she's in there. I mean, Lydia will always be in there, Mm -hmm. Um, but it was different to like, really like, okay, we're starting, we're in the show. Here we go again. Another game of Hillard Family Feud, which is my first line that I sing. And (sighs) oh my God, it's the first line that anyone's gonna hear on the album. Great. (laughs) I'll have to listen to that. I'll I'll, I'll make note of that. Oh my God. It's the first number, track number one. (laughs) Here we go again. Another game of Hillard Family Feud. I was just trying to make it fun. Remember fun? A moment of silence and remembrance of fun. Dad makes a joke and then before you know it, mom's on. It's just like, it's such an experience just going in there and marking the role. And I know it must be so stressful actually doing that once you had taken a break from the character. I've had like nightmares about like trying to do a character after six months and I just, or something like it, it must be so stressful, but. It's crazy. But they, you know, what's really great. Our team was really great. Um, They were very much like, okay, this is not, you do not have to remember everything on the spot, which was so different for me specifically was that I was going back to the role, but I also had four new siblings when we came back from this recent hiatus. So I was really, um, they brought me into rehearsal with them and they were so cute. Oh my gosh, they were adorable. And um, they truly were so incredible and learned the entire show in three weeks, Um, not even. And we had not as much time together as we had hoped. But I will say that relearning the show again with new siblings created an entirely new perspective of the role that I never thought I would have. So it was really great to like get to learn the show again. And they were really great. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Rob McClure would have probably been really helpful through all this. Do you like become everyone's dad? Was it like a whole show family and everything? Oh, yeah. I mean, we 
it's a shame we hate each other. You know, it's, it's really <laughs> sad. It's really upsetting. No, we are just the closest um, ever. And I'm so excited to see him in Little Shop. Um, as soon as they announced it, I was screaming and crying in my room because I just know how much he loves that show. And I love him so much as a human. And he really has helped me grow as an actor um, and as a human. You know, the entire company did. We all just grew together. Yeah. And, and while we're talking about being in the studio, I mean, even though you record at your house, yeah. I just listened to your new album, Pathetic Little Dreamer. Your voice is fantastic. You, your songs are filled with insight. And we'll link the album in our show notes. So make sure everyone check it out. So do you write your own songs? I do. I wrote music and lyrics for the entire album. So where do you draw your inspiration? Like what place and everything? Um, it kind of just happens. Um, some ideas just kind of flow to me. Other times I'll just be sitting and watching something. A lot of times I'll be thinking about what friends and family members are going through specifically with pathetic little dreamer the theme of the entire mm -hmm. thing were all of my thoughts that have occurred during the pandemic yeah. um and before and after um you know sometimes I have to go back and listen to my own advice that I tell myself in my songs because not a lot of times do I actually listen to the advice that I give um which you know it's it's all about being human that's what my album is about. My album is about being human. And just because you think that, you know, you think you know somebody, but you don't really. Um, there a lot of times, like people, a lot of times as an artist, you know, there are negative thoughts that come with that. There's perfectionism, um, which I specifically talk about perfectionism in Seventh Stage of Grief, which is the um, second to last track. End of the day um, is the last track. And that's about, you know, um, losing a love that you know that you thought you've had um losing your best friend um drive is basically directed right to the pandemic that there were so many things i'm tired of this world like can't we just drive away and get rid of it all um my little voice is about you know that little voice in your head that's that keeps telling you no it's a part of me that tears me down and rips me up inside that little voice that comes and goes I just want to run the night Pathetic Little Dreamer is about taking risks um, you know they're all I don't write love songs is basically a joke about my own life <laughs> uh, that's just me making fun of myself which is why it's one of my favorites um, yeah they're pretty much all and Charlie Charlie actually was the last song that was written on the album and Charlie came to me because I was watching a television show and the actor playing this guy's name was Charlie. And I was like, oh, it's a two syllable name. I could come up with that. <laughs> and then the name. song in ensued. I mean, it's kind of, you know, they just kind of come naturally. Yeah. I, I've heard of people who, you know, bring notebooks around and like write down their ideas because you just got to get it all out. Like it's yeah, you get it like buying a coffee at Starbucks or you could get it like at the gym. You could get I've gotten inspirations like because I write songs sometimes like, oh, really? Yeah. Random places. I'll just like be in my backyard and, and swinging or something. And I'll just it just hits me like I don't know, like you write too. do you yeah. get those kinds of things? It's just 
anytime. Yeah. Um, do you have any rituals when you write like a special place or something that you think all songwriters should do? Um, I mean, I, I don't really do anything consistently. I always think that when you're writing, I mean, sometimes I'll just be like, okay, I'm going to write today. But that's not really what happens. It just the inspiration has to just come to you. Mm-hmm. There were times during the hiatus that um, during our most recent hiatus that I have written songs and like six of them aren't finished because I couldn't finish them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've gone back to them and I tried to finish them and some of them I finished, some of them I didn't. It's always very difficult for me to write a second verse, always. Yeah. And I hear this a lot with certain people. But um, the second verse is always very difficult for me because I feel like I've said what I've already had to say in the first and first verse in the chorus. So second verses always have, you know, a little bit of struggle. But my my one thing that I'm really working on is just being a little bit more free in my writing. So I the advice that I have for both of you and for other people who are writing is nothing even if it's bad if you think that it's bad it's probably not that bad um like I wrote this really campy song that was probably looked like it was off of like a Wiggles album (laughs) but like it was a great song not for me for the Wiggles but hey it gave me something it gave me some joy it made me feel great you know Mm -hmm. every song that you write is going to make you feel something So even if it's not great and something that you want to release, like that's not why we write. We don't write to release anything. Yeah, I mean, we we just write so that, I mean, you don't have to write for other people. You can write for yourself. Like not, you you don't have to like, just, yeah. (laughs) You don't have to write it for Totally get it. (laughs) Yeah, last year me and my friend, we were like, oh, let's write a song together for some reason. Um, And it just turned out, we were very proud of it at the time. looking back at it it is one of the most cringy things I've ever trust me I have tons of those I have thousands and thousands of pages of those so they're those are just as great as the ones that are the hits I've noticed that sometimes songs are just like diary writings that sometimes rhyme you know yeah like I'll just be writing my heart out or something and be like this sounds like a diary (laughs) (laughs) I love that oh yeah like songs don't have to rhyme yeah well I do you ever feel like sometimes your songs like have to rhyme like because you just feel like you need to have them rhyme like um sometimes I do sometimes I don't I mean most of my songs do rhyme Mm -hmm. because that's just what makes the most sense Mm -hmm. but I also like writing poetry so like po- my poetry like does the same, like it's kind of like the same thing that it rhymes and it doesn't. So we're going to switch topics here because we don't want to forget this one. Matilda. Yay. Ellie and I were just in our school production together. I was Matilda and Ellie was Bruce. In, in March. Yeah. And we read that you were a swing on Broadway. Shout out to Swings. So Woo-hoo. how old were you when you did that? And I was. Tracks you did? Yeah. I was 13 when I was cast. Um, I was, it was the summer before my freshman year of high school, but I did not look like I was in high school. I was about four foot six. <laughs> um, and um, everybody thought I was a transfer student that I skipped a couple of grades, but I did that from 20, the summer of 2013 until the spring of 2015. And that was on Broadway. And then when I did the tour, it was 2016 for about six weeks. And I played Hortensia on the tour. And on Broadway, I was a swing for Alice and Hortensia. 
Oh, I actually played Alice in a regional production of Matilda. So no way! Cool, yeah. yeah. I saw your TikTok about you, um, where it was. How would you? How are you? Is the audience supposed to believe that Warner left Elle for a girl who looks like yeah. she's twelve years old and was playing a? Oh my goodness! The week before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that video went really viral. Oh yeah, it did. <laughs> It went really viral. I didn't expect it to, but I guess, you know, you know, the, the, it's funny because that production of Legally Blonde, it was Vivian and I was singing Legally Blonde remix and I was about 4'11 and I had just left the show. I just left Matilda and, you know, everybody else in the school was just not 4'11. They were all like, you know, five feet and taller. And, you know, I was very, very small. And Vivian's supposed to be very tall. So I don't know why they cast me as that part, but that's totally okay because I loved Legally Blonde and I loved playing Vivian. It's because you got pipes. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Me and Ellie can relate to that because she's four foot 11 and I'm five foot. So I'm taller. (laughs) Barely. Just let it be noted that I'm taller than her and she's just on a taller chair right now. So listen, I'm going to tell you right now. And if there are any other kids who are listening, being a kid on Broadway and being a kid in general, it is really important to grow. It does not matter if you are small. It does not matter if you are tall. I mean, I happen to have a, a, condi- a medical condition that, you know, prevents me from growing. Um, so I, you know, that's why I was 15 playing young. I was four foot six when I was 15 years old, for, when I was 14. Um, and when I was 15, I was four eleven. So. I was just, I just happened to be very, very short, but there are other kids who like, for example, we have our 10 year olds who are, who are in um, Mrs. Doubtfire. He had just turned 11 and he was five feet. He was, he was a little bit shorter than me, not by much. And you know, like everybody comes in different shapes and sizes. So don't let anybody tell you that you have to be a certain height to be in a certain role. You know, I mean, especially when you're a kid, just have fun. Yeah. And besides, it's better on Broadway to be a little shorter. Like, that's what gets you more kid roles. That's why you can play 15 when you're, like, 25. Yeah, I will say that. Yes, it has, being short has come to my benefit in many occasions. (laughs) Doubtfire has just wrapped up and your album is out. Are you working on anything now or is it time to take a break? I don't know yet. Um... I mean, you know, just keeping up with the same old stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Just writing. Um, I'm actually getting into teaching. So if anybody wants to take some lessons with me, I'm going to be doing, um, you can contact me through my website, which is just AnnaliseScarpacci.com. And there's like a little tab that has an email that you can connect with me and take some lessons. Um, I'm doing virtual lessons. Um, Yeah. So pretty much you know, keeping myself busy and auditioning and keeping up with the training. You're never done with your training as long as you live. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much me. And I'm going to enjoy my summer too, because that's much needed. Yes. yes. So we also ask each of our guests to choose a charity and our parents make a donation as a thank you for being on our show. You picked the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, so the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation is very, very special. I've been living with Crohn's since I was 10 years old. Yeah, 10 years old, 10 years old. Now I'm 22, which is crazy. Um, it's been more than half of my life. 
Um, and basically the foundation helps families and children and adults um, with Crohn's research and helps, um, they provide support groups for patients with Crohn's, Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. Um, there's also a camp where all of the donations go to um, that specific camp, it's called Camp Oasis. And to be a part of that camp, um, they have all students and campers with IBD, which is the branch that um, Crohn's and colitis fall under. And they, you know, they can go live a normal life like at camp. And, you know, I was very fortunate that um, I was I was sick at one point. Um, I'm in remission right now, but there are some kids who don't have it. Um, you know, they're not in remission. So there's some kids who, you know, you could look at them on the outside and you could think that they're okay, but on the inside, their stomachs are really hurting. Um, so, you know, it's really, really important that more people know about Crohn's and colitis. And I'm a big advocate um, for the foundation. And every year I usually participate in the walk this year. I hadn't just because of time with the show and the timing was off, but um, the walk, they do take steps for Crohn's and colitis and that raises money for the foundation. So if you'd like to do some more research, they have a lot of information on their websites. And there are a lot of people who um, in, not only in the industry of the performing arts, but you know, in sports, there've been some Olympians who have Crohn's disease and you know, act famous actors and actresses and a lot of people, yeah. So we also ask all of our guests the big question of this podcast. What advice yeah. do you have for kids like us who want to be on Broadway someday? Um, there are two, I have two answers for you. One of them is super cliche, but it's so true, is to be yourself. Yes. And the second one is that you have to really love it. And I know that you two do because you have the, the glimmer in your eyes that I have. Um, I want you to think long and hard about it because it's a lot of work. And I know you both know that mm -hmm. um, it's a lot of work. It takes a lot of patience and a lot of training and it takes a lot, a lot, a lot of waiting. Yes. And it can be very, very hard. And there are times where, you know, I think it's really important for parents, for, for any parents who are listening. Um, it's really important for parents to know how big of a sacrifice it is. Um, especially if you're like a young child. Um, I was very lucky. I'm an only child. So my parents just have to take care of me. Really? You're only children too? Only children. No yeah. way. Oh my gosh. So look yeah. at that. I love that. So I'm an only child and my parents only had me to worry about. So, um, and I also live 20 minutes away from Manhattan. There are people in um, this industry. I'll never forget. I always tell the story. Um, a friend of mine from Matilda, his name was Timothy. He had an older sister and a family back at home and him and his mom came to audition for Matilda. And then that evening they called him up and said, hi, congratulations. You've booked Matilda. You can't go home back to Kansas. You're here on Broadway, like for the foreseeable future. Oh my God. But they probably like only packed for like one night. Uh, exactly. They packed oh. for one night. Oh my God. And they, um, you know, his mom had to go back and bring all his stuff and their entire lives were just completely uprooted um, for a great thing, obviously, but it is a lot and not a lot of families take that sacrifice. So it's really, really, really important for 
children and parents and families to realize how big of a sacrifice it is. And if you are willing to take that sacrifice, that is amazing. And if you're not like maybe, you know, stick with regional theaters at home and things that will keep you close to home as well because there are so many theaters and so many outlets mm -hmm. that you can express yourselves and be a part of um that aren't just on broadway or you know their regional theaters are so amazing that honestly sounds like a dream like i know it's like your whole life separated and everything but like imagine getting the call you're like about to go like hi you gotta stay in new york city for like a year like okay like, it's crazy awesome. it's really and you know what it happened it happens to a lot of people a lot of people and um you know it's a friend of mine the same thing happened to her i mean she auditioned on friday and then they called her and told her she had to be at work on monday and she was from ohio wow yeah so crazy so our last question is actually a lot of questions not sure if you've heard about our one minute lightning round Ooh. only once and barely once actually took one minute yeah so, it's like five no, minutes no pressure are you in okay i'm in let's do it you have to be in no matter what yeah <laughs> you have no choice you can't escape yeah okay, okay. <laughs> one minute or whatever on the clock and Go. What's one thing that kept you going during the pandemic? My guitar and Netflix. Dream roll. Uh, the Baker's Wife and Into the Woods. Subway or walking? Walking. Best thing in your dressing room? Um, I have a block from the set of Matilda. Oh, cool. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Yes. yes. Favorite Rob McClure voice? Oh, um, I have to say Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> But also he does a really great Sebastian Maniscalco and it's amazing. Singing, dancing, or acting? All three. Ooh, nice. Ooh. Favorite New York City restaurant? Uh, da Tommaso. Next show you want to see on Broadway? I'm actually going to see, it's not on Broadway, it's off Broadway, but tonight I'm going to the opening night of the Winnie the Pooh musical. And I'm very, very excited. <laughs> if you could take one thing from the, the Doubtfire set, what would it be? Well, I have a lot of, a lot of shoes fell in my bag. Uh, I'm just gonna say that. Fell. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. They uh, fell in there. Favorite audition song? It depends on the project, but I really love um, Here You Come Again by Dolly Parton. Can we hear your best hello, Poppets? Hello, Poppets. Time. It actually might've been like a minute. That would've been <laughs> maybe really? like 15 maybe seconds. Maybe. Might be history, I don't know. We'll yeah, have to see. Yeah. Ooh. Annalise Garpachi, you are awesome, and we want to be you when we grow up. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on Two Kids and a Broadway Star. Broadway Star, 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 Broadway Star. Okay, we did it. Yay! Thank you, that was so much fun. Wherever you go, whatever you do, a goodness will surely follow. Two Kids and a Broadway Star, it's really important to us that we keep supporting Broadway and the whole theater community. That's why we ask all our guests to choose a charity and our parents make a donation as a thank you for being on our show. The episode supports the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. We hope you'll consider making a donation of any size. You can find a link to donate in our show notes. Any amount counts. Two Kids and a Broadway Star is me, Ellie. And me, Haley. We started this podcast as a way to stay connected to the theater, community during the shutdown. Broadway might be back now, but we aren't going anywhere.
You can follow us on Instagram at Two Kids Pod and on Twitter at Two Kids B Way. And you can listen to all of our episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and at twokidsbroadway.com. Please like and subscribe. Thanks for listening.